Welcome back to another episode of School of Science Radio Podcast. I'm Gino Ganello. Uh, joining me again is Matthew Chandler, and our guest this week from Royal Blue Mercy is Calvin. Calvin, how's it going today? Hey, Gino. Hey, Matthew. Thanks for having me on. Uh, going pretty good. Always good to talk after a win. Huh? Yes, always good to talk after a win. Before the restart, it was a little bit hard to get those, but um, but yeah. we've gotten one here. Um, you know, with this win over Leicester, I believe our second since the restart in the three games. Um, it was a pretty interesting match. Let's start from, you know, the changes that were made. Bernard and Davies were uh, out. Sigurdsson and Gordon were put in. Calvin, let's start with you. Were you happy with the team selection? Um, yeah, I, I guess I, was, I wasn't too surprised, right? Uh, I, I didn't think Bernard had done too much uh, in, in the last game against Norwich. Um, also, always happy to see, uh, you know, kids like Gordon get a chance. Um, a little surprised that Gordon got the start in a game against Leicester. I mean, you know, Leicester's not small fry. They're third in the league, right? Um, and then as far as Davies out, Sigurdsson in, um, I, I thought Sigurdsson had a pretty good game against Norwich. Uh, Davies had played well in the derby. Uh, so it's, 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 it's uh, again, with Davies, it, it's, it's unfortunately, it continues. You know, he has one good game, one sort of bad game with turnovers and, you know, loses the ball too easily. So uh, not, not really surprised with the changes, no. Matthew, how about you? Uh, with, the, with the team selection, I, I thought he couldn't really complain because I think um, with, with Sigurdsson, while I've, I've been very critical of Sigurdsson this season, I did. I do think he made. He certainly made a difference when he came on against Norwich, and I also think I might have said this last week, but I think the fact these games have played much so much slower pace than before probably suits Sigurdsson better than most players because he isn't by any means one of Evans' quicker players. The game does need to be played at like a slower pace for Sigurdsson now. I think. Um, of course, the problem is obviously him and Gomez. Together is, you know, a very sort of one-paced field partnership. Um, but in terms of him starting us today, I don't think Tom Davies could have any complaints. I think it would have been too much to ask maybe to throw someone like Benny Beningham in there. Um, and then with Anthony Gordon, I was I was pleased he was given a chance. I did feel a bit for Bernard because Bernard clearly is a much better player for Evan in home games. I think. Most people kind of see that he's a lot more of a threat at Goodison for whatever reason. Um, but, you know, obviously the, the two changes Stanchelty made uh, worked very well. Sigurdsson played well and scored, and, and Gordon was involved in the first goal and probably had his best game in Everton shirt so far, I'd say. Yeah. And, and also, i just say as well, I think um, I think it was the right decision not to put Yerry Mina straight back in because... Um, Michael Keane had a great game again yesterday and Mason Holgate. Um, and the two of them haven't done anything wrong, really, since the restart. So it's good. I think it's a good message that Ancelotti shows out there. However well Mina's done so far this season, you can't just walk straight back in the team. Yeah, no, absolutely. And Michael Keane has been, you know, one of the Everton's better performers um, over since the restart. Obviously, he had some trouble. You know, a lot of fans were getting on his back. Um, you know, prior to the restart, um, you know, he, he just, it, it wasn't, he wasn't putting in good performances, but for whatever reason, he's come back, he's looking, um, uh, better than really he has all season. And, 
Um, that's huge for Everton just to have not only, uh, you know, three center backs that they can trust, but some competition at that position, something that I feel like isn't kind of normal for us um, as, you know, the past seasons have gone by because we haven't really had many options at center back. Um, standout players, worst performers, Matthew, uh, you know, who were some players who you thought played really well, some players who you thought could have played better? Uh, well, Everton gave their man of the match to Michael Keane, um, and he, he'll probably be mine as well because um, the the piece I wrote about for the site for this game was, was kind of focusing on Keane and the sort of uh, sort of mental block he's had in the past with Jamie Vardy mm-hmm. because Michael Keane is another one who is a very sort of one-paced uh, defender. He's not got he, he doesn't turn particularly quickly, does he? Um, and he kind of he feels like he's he's a much more competent defender when he's defending from deep rather than sort of higher line or more expansive setup. Um, I've seen in the past Vardage murder Keane. I remember the um, it's the game at Goodison last year on New Year's Day when Keane just um, sort of under not very much pressure even from Vardy just gave him the, you know made a mistake and let him in. Yeah. And the the League Cup game this season, Keane just looked frightened. I don't think Vardy scored, but I remember just Keane just looking scared to death of Vardy the whole game. Um, yeah. And the fact that Vardy didn't have one shot on goal yesterday, Keane um, yeah. won all of his aerial battles um, and just didn't give him a sniff. I know he just looks a much more confident player. I think it helps that he has Holgate next to him. Yeah. Because I think uh, while him and Yerry Mina and Mason Holgate are all good good enough anyway in their own right, Evan, I think the partnership of Keane and Mina is probably too similar a pairing in terms of you know pace and strengths and weaknesses. I think Holgate is a much better complement for, for Keane than Mina. And I think another one who had a very good game yesterday was Holgate. Um, Seamus Coleman I thought was very good down the right as well. Uh, although I don't think he got much help in from, from uh, Alex Iwobi down that side. Uh, and also Anthony Gordon, who I thought, again, you know, his, his assist for Richarlison was was really well or crafted cross. And um, whereas in the Liverpool game and in a few previous games he's played, he kind of struggled to pose himself on the game. Felt like yesterday he really sort of took the game in his stride. And, you know, a lot of people, a few people have seen say that they don't see what they haven't seen much from him. But I think yesterday he showed that. And also I would say the fact that a manager of Ancelotti's calibre clearly likes him and rates him. Yeah. You know, I think that kind of vindicates Ancelotti as well as his performance yesterday. Calvin, your opinions on the best performers and worst performers? Yeah, I think just uh, some some of the same players. I, I think uh, just on the note of Gordon, you know, what I thought very interesting yesterday was, I know Ancelotti's in the in the past he's talked about using Gordon as a number ten that he, he thought he was uh, probably uh, best off centrally. Um, obviously, in Everton's current lineup, the way things are, there's no such position really. But interestingly, after Mina came on yesterday, uh, you know, when we went to a five-man backline, um, and uh, we had Gordon playing sort of in the hole behind uh, Dom, and uh, I, I thought he looked very good. He looked very composed. Uh, it's, it's 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 interesting with this Everton team. It's it's so much about confidence, right? Um, Kino has a couple of good games. He looks like a, you know like one of the world's best defenders right now. Nothing goes by him. No one goes by him. 
Um, same thing with Gordon, right? I think uh, yesterday will will have given him a, a big shot of confidence. I, I, I think he played really well. I think he showed composure on the ball. Um, I, a couple of players yesterday I was a little disappointed in. Uh, let's start with the Wobi. Uh, you know, we'd heard this about him when he came in from Arsenal that he was inconsistent and we're seeing it now, right? He has one good game and then one game where he completely disappears and then again another good game. So in the derby, I think he got pulled off at the half, at the half right? Uh, he just was anonymous in the first half. That was... The other way around. No, it will be came on. He lost. He played the whole game, I think, didn't he? Someone, I know... I think Gordon came off at the at the Gordon, break, didn't he? Gordon came off, yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. Gordon came off at the break, yeah. Because he will be at that chance at the end for, for Charles. Oh, Charles. that's true. He did. You're right, you're right, right. But then against Norwich, uh, I mean, I, I thought it would be, it was great. He looked like when we'd seen him playing for Arsenal. I mean, he was he was a terror on the right every time he got the ball. He looked like he was going to make a chance or score. Um, and then yesterday again, anonymous. I just didn't feel he contributed at all. Um, obviously, I think we were too busy watching the left flank where Dinier and uh, and and Gordon were doing magic. So uh, again, it will be issue. Uh, Gomez. Uh, so again, I I I don't want to give Gomez too much of a hard time because I think he looks tired. Um, again, when you think about the injury that he's just come back from, I, I think it's going to take some time before. He's his old self again. Uh, when he had the ball yesterday, I thought he was he was fine. I mean, he was exactly what we had seen before. But when we were not in possession, which we were not for most of yesterday, he just seemed to be drifting around. And I mean, I, I was losing my mind towards the end of the game every time because Chilwell basically spent the entire second half in our half. And I would see Coleman stepping up to cover him. It's like, wait a second, that's Gomez's man. Clearly, because we've fallen into a five-three-one-one, um, so uh, it was driving me crazy. Um, again, Gomez did look gassed, uh, and like you said, Matthew, who would we have brought on? I mean, it's, it's a pretty big ask to throw Benny on in that in that situation. So, um, you know, the, the sooner we get some reinforcements back, especially in the midfield, uh, the, the better. I think it's going to give Ancelotti some uh, some uh, some. Uh, options and I think it'll give these guys a break because it, it, it's going to get worse. We've got like, half a dozen games in like 20 days coming up so yeah. it's, yeah. I think, I think on Gomez I thought he started really well actually. Certainly a lot better than he had been in the previous two games. Yeah. But I think Gomez's problem is he's just not fit. Oh, he's not, he's not back up to sharpness. He had that really good um, first game back after his injury against Arsenal. Where he kind of put the rest of the midfield to shame. Yeah. How much better yeah, he yeah. was. Since then, he's kind of not been at that level, but I don't think no one should expect him to be because of the injury that he had. Um, I do slightly worry that he might suffer from kind of Brian Oviedo syndrome or Seamus Coleman syndrome of mm. suffering a really awful injury and then not really being the same player when he comes back. Yeah. But it's kind of early days to say that. Um, I agree, though. I think he tired more than most when as the game drew on and kind of became a loose, a loose part in that team. And also yeah. maybe a, a word for Tom Davies as well, because Tom Davies was not kind of out, an outstanding individual yesterday for Everton. But Spenny, um, you can take into account how poor he was against Norwich as well yeah. uh, when he came on yesterday. Uh, I mean, I'm just reading Pete's. Pete Reynolds five telling stats here. Um, 
His pass completion yesterday was 86.7 compared to 60% last week. Mm-hmm. In fact, his, his numbers were, I know it's, it's obviously a smaller sample size because he was a sub, but his numbers were the best of anyone in Everton's midfield or attack yesterday. Um, and Pete described his performance as um, disciplined and composed, which I think is kind of kind of what we want to see from Tom Davies, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, Tom Davies needs to figure out who he wants to be, what kind of midfielder he is as well. He's kind of, he feels like he's kind of caught between two stools. He's not really as creative as Gomez, for, or for example, no. but he's not as defensive-minded as, say, Ghana, yeah. Gay or yeah, Gabami, yeah. If, he, if he ever plays. So, yeah, if you can find a happy medium between them and just put in, like I said, disciplined, composed performances, then... Um, he will he will be back in this day. I mean, he'll start again before the end of the season, Tom Davies. Oh, sure. Yeah. You have too many games in too short time frame, so he'll get opportunities. Um, and also, like, he doesn't have to... People go on about that Man City goal, but he doesn't have to... He doesn't have to do that every week. He just has to be no. consistent and find some sort of solid level of consistency in his game. I mean, that was an outstanding performance. We don't expect that every week. Yeah. Um, but... Um, I think, especially because I can't remember who he came on for. Was it Gomez or? Oh, no, Gomez... Uh, no, Gomez played the whole game. He came yeah, yeah. on for Richarlison. Of course, yeah. But he just added a bit of energy into that midfield, I think, didn't he? And yeah. Made it harder for Leicester to break down because I thought. Right. Jamie Carragher was on commentary yesterday in the sky and, and he made a good point that Leicester just looked like they ran out of ideas by the end. And I think a lot of that was to do with that they couldn't break Everton down because we were so uh, not rigid, but just well organised yeah. and well drilled. Yeah, no, uh, it, it, those are great points, Matthew. Um, you know, as you mentioned, Davies uh, um, significantly better than he was in the Norwich game. I think eighty-six percent passing compared to sixty percent passing uh, completion percentage uh, in the Norwich game. So. Hopefully we can see more out of him and kind of him kind of start to figure himself out as the games go on. Uh, let's get into the defense a little bit. Obviously, uh, I believe Calvin, you mentioned it. We didn't have much of the ball yesterday for a lot of the game. Um, were Everton too defensive at times? Or is this kind of what you expected? Um, should they have been a little bit more attack minded? You know, what are your thoughts, Calvin, on that? Yeah, that's so, so that, that's an interesting one. Um, you know, when you look at our second half performance yesterday, right? I, I think Leicester had 70-something percent of the ball. And that's, that, that, that's awful by all respects, especially when, when we were playing at home. I mean, you know, again, at this point with closed doors, it's, it's a little hard to overstate the effect of uh, uh, home, home advantage, if, if you will. But I, I guess he, he, here's my concern that... Ancelotti right now is just doing whatever he can to get us through this season, right? So it means more halves like yesterday's second half when we're playing teams that are sitting in the top six, for example. And it's going to be hairy and there's going to be a lot of last-ditch challenges and it's going to be you know, nail-biting stuff, uh, seeding possession like we did yesterday. It, it's not ideal. I, I, I absolutely admit it and agree. Uh, but I think it's the reality for now until Ancelotti can bring in some reinforcements, until they can bring in some people that he wants. Um, I, am, I am not a fan of parking the bus, you know, uh, but 
uh, I think I saw this on Twitter yesterday, you know, I think uh, fans are calling it pragmatism. And I think that makes sense. It's very practical, right? Um, we're, we're stuck in this loop where uh, we, have, we finish in mid-table, uh, so we can't go out and buy top-class flares, so then we don't actually get better, so we can't qualify for Europe, so we don't make too much money, so then again, we can't buy better flares. And, you know, the only way you break out of that is you either have, like, youngsters coming through the pipeline who, you know, develop into something really strong, or you buy smartly, right? So, you know, and again, on brands here, um, go out, buy players who are on the cusp of making it into the big time um, and get them to raise your performance level. And I anticipate um, that kind of signing happening now that, you know, you put Ancelotti's great experience with Branza's experience. I think that's what's going to happen. So until that happens, I will not be surprised to watch um, very route one football, 4-4-2 like we are right now that just grinds out results and gets us into Europe next season. So again, um, it, it's not pretty. It, it's not pretty to watch, but think about big picture. It's all about getting the points right now. So that's, uh, I, I think that, that's how I'm explaining what we saw yesterday. Matthew, what's your opinion on the defense uh, yesterday? It's just a necessary evil, isn't it? I think, <laughs> I think, um, you know, the squad is so sort of threadbare and lopsided and substandard in part um, that, you know, what more can Ancelotti do, really, I think. Um, no, I didn't I didn't love watching Everton yesterday. I enjoyed the first half. I enjoyed most of the first half until I kind of got a grip of that. Um, but I it was always coming because Leicester are, are better players than us, you know. I mean, James Madison changed the game when he came on because he's a better midfielder than I think we had on the pitch. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it was kind of depressing to see how isolated Calvert-Lewin was by the end. Um, how sort of sort of relentlessly Leicester pushed us back and caused us to retreat further back. But, yeah, I'm not going to... I don't want to sound like complaining because the tactics Ancelotti put out us the game you know I think we, we won that game because of Ancelotti's tactics not not in spite of them because he he saw that we were getting overrun I thought the decision to put Mina on instead of a Willoughby was a smart was a smart move um, and like I, like I said before Davies made a difference um, so were Everton too defensive at times well maybe but then you got to you got to uh, take it into context of of what Ancelotti's got at his disposal. So, um, if we if we are playing like that, if we are hanging on like that for you know a whole half, pretty much um, in like a year's time, then maybe I'd be yeah. more concerned. But for now, I think got to accept it. And also, I've seen some people say this, and I agree that we would not have won that game with previous managers because yeah, uh, they wouldn't have got it as tactically spot on as Ancelotti did, or um, you know, Everton wouldn't have had the sort of maybe the confidence in their own confidence, yeah. ability to, to do what they did. I mean, I think of like Tottenham under Silva last year when we went one nil up. Kurt Zuma and Jordan Pickford run into each other and then we ended up losing six two. So um, you know, we didn't have that yesterday. Yeah. I mean I think I would off the top of my head there's only one or two games under Ancelotti where I would say I haven't played really good football for most of the game. 
um, the draw with Newcastle were threw it away. Yeah, and the win over Crystal Palace, um, where even then, I mean, Crystal Palace could have got ahead in that game. And were you know, quite lucky at times to get away with that, but mm-hmm. um, other than that, it's not been like scintillating. But then, I don't think any of us really should have expected it to be. Yet. Yeah, no, I I agree, Matthew. I think the important distinction is that we did get the win in this match. And like you said, it may not have happened under other managers. And I think it's hard to be picky when you get the win. Um, obviously, you don't want to see that defensive football. But if you're getting the results and you're not ending in, you know, zero zero draws because you're just basically, you know, playing like Burnley does, you know, just, you know, back in the box and making sure nobody scores. Um, you know, and I mean, Diego, I mean, easier. Yeah. I was going to say, I mean, like Simeone's won La Liga by playing like that for the whole season. Yeah. And he's got Atletico Madrid to Champions League final. I think there is a sort of, not a snobbery, but a sort of prejudice kind of against this. I mean, you know, if, if that was Allardyce yesterday, would people have been so sort of forthcoming in their, in their praise towards him as they were to Ancelotti? Well, maybe not, because it's, it's Allardyce and not Ancelotti. But um, Ancelotti, I'm not taking anything away from Ancelotti because he got it spot on. Um, I'm just saying that I don't, I'm not one who will necessarily moan about games like that, providing they don't. It's not. It's not like a regular occurrence, and it's not like right. every game we're sort of bang, having to bat down the hatches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. I, I agree. I mean, just because it's not Pep Guardiola football doesn't make it, you know, bad football or anything like that. Yeah. You know. Yeah, and it's a much smarter way to play than we did with Silver. So, you know. Yeah, no, I know. I totally agree. And I think Ancelotti even said after the match yesterday in some of his post-match comments when he kind of explained the defense a little bit, he's like, listen, like, you know, we don't want to play this way. Just kind of how things came. Leicester changed their shape. We needed to change our shape. And I think that's another good sign of things that come with Ancelotti that, like we've mentioned, don't come with other managers. Other managers haven't been able to adapt on the fly as well as Ancelotti has. And I think we, he showed that yesterday. Um, and is a big reason as to why yeah. we got the win yesterday. He's uh, just smart. He's just smart, though, isn't he? I think. Yeah. He yeah. Just, he, I mean, I was reading uh, is it David Hughes' piece in the Echo start this week about how uh, how much more efficient Everton are at set pieces now. Set and pieces, like, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. it's like it's just nice to have a manager who right not only recognised like shortcomings or flaws in teams and actually you know, have the foresight to address them. Yeah. Um, and that's what I think he did really well yesterday. I think uh, one, one more thing on Ancelotti, uh, not, not only is he you know, wise beyond years and uh, has lots of experience, um, I, 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 I like the sense of calm he brings to the squad. Uh, I, yeah. I think I've seen a couple of players mention that about you know, he's got this confidence about him. So, um, you know, uh, I, I remember personally uh, early on uh, giving Ancelotti a hard time on the side for not losing his mind at the players. You know, I think it was soon after that Newcastle uh, debacle, right? And, uh, but I, I think this, this, this is who he is, right? Uh, he's, he's just calm. He's collected. He brings a sense of calm to the team. Um, and, and players, you know, just, I think they trust him, right? They go, hey, if Ancelotti wants us to play, I don't know, 10 men behind the ball, he knows what he's doing and uh, he's probably put us in this position because he thinks we can succeed, which 
I don't know if we've had that under anyone else uh, in a long time, right? Uh, I definitely, as a fan, did not feel confident even taking a two or a three goal lead with Silva in charge. Um, same with Bobby, you know, like uh, it was like, oh, geez, with Martinez as manager, games are more likely to end 5-4 than they are 1-0. So, um, yeah, no, I, I think uh, Ancelotti, is, 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 he's definitely showing off, uh, showing off his chops here. So, happy to see him at Everton. Yeah, same, same. Um, let's before we you know get into you know some of the things that we wrote on the that were uh, that were put up on the website. Uh, let's talk about Pickford a little bit. Not his best game. Um, you know, obviously the very very uh, sloppy, almost you know point costing uh, play the, in the second half there. Um, Matthew, we'll start with you. Opinions on Pickford uh, from this game. It's not so much the mistake, it was his reaction after the mistake where he's kind of <laughs> laughing. I mean, I, th- I imagine he's probably, it was more of a laugh of sort of relief than sort of actually finding the whole thing funny. But um, it's just it's kind of unprofessional, I think, to me. I don't... If you see Michael Keane and you see how, how uh, galvanised he seems to be by Ancelotti. And Pickford doesn't seem to have had that. I mean... And I'm not blaming Ancelotti, but I'm blaming Pickford because you know I think of. Well, I was I was thinking back to the the goals we've conceded at home uh, since Ancelotti came in, and you know we have goals like the Bruno Fernandez one against United, which Pickford I think could have saved the Ben Teke oh, yeah. one, which he definitely could have saved. Yeah, at least one of the uh, the Newcastle goals. I mean, he's a, that was a complete mess, wasn't it? And the goal against today was not his fault. I mean, it's just unfortunate that Holgate's yeah. clearance hit Ian Atto, but I didn't have that much to do. To, I mean, there weren't many saves no. yet to make. It's just that one kind of encapsulates the way Pickford's been for a while now, which is very sort of aloof, sort of kind of not taking, not seemingly taking it that seriously, um, sort of mantra. And it's not. For me, really, I mean, I think he'll still be a goalkeeper next year because I think just out of necessity, I think Everton have more pressing, pressing matters yeah. in, in other areas of the pitch. But um, I'm I'm not sure if I would see him as like a long-term number one for Everton. And it's not just based off this one incident. I mean, it's not that reactionary. I think it, this is something I've felt about Pig for a while now is that he's not got the maturity or the professionalism to to be a top goalkeeper, I don't think. Calvin? Yeah. Uh, so, it, it, it's, it's a tough one for me, right? I, 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 I have pretty staunchly defended Pickford um, in the past. Um, I, I just think that is his personality, right? Uh, he's a maverick, right? I, you know, I think we just, I, I'll just go out and say that. He's a maverick. Um, he is not the kind of goalkeeper that, um, you know, settles his team down, right? So, you know, when, when you look at some of the great goalkeepers around, uh, and, uh, you know, my, my head immediately goes to someone like Gigi Buffon, right, in Juventus, right? So, again, one of the greatest goalkeepers in the world, right, makes all the right saves, all of that. But he exudes leadership. He exudes a sense of calm, you know, right? He projects out from the goal forward to his team, right? So he plays with this measured restraint 
which we see a lot of really good goalkeepers also show. And uh, Matthew's absolutely right. You don't see that with Pickford, right? So um, when you're looking at this Everton squad and you're looking for leaders on the pitch, Pickford is not one of those leaders. Um, when all hell is breaking loose, Pickford's not the guy who's going to tell everyone, hey, you know, it's okay, calm down, we're good. That's, that's just not him. And it's disappointing. I, I think we expect that from a, from a good goalkeeper. But Pickford, yeah, I, I think he's a maverick. Um, he's, you know, I think we've said for a long time, he's good for one, like, daft mistake per game. Um, over the last three games, that might be the one daft mistake he's made over the three games. So if that's the ratio that he sets, settles out at, you know, one daft mistake per three or four games, um, he'll, he'll, I guess he'll be fine for the next couple of years. Uh, but yeah, he's what, 26 at this point? I, 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 I don't know. Um, 25, yeah? Okay, so again, may, maybe we'll, we'll give him a couple of years and see if he matures a little more. But um, this is the problem because, you know, some of the off-the-pitch stuff he does as well doesn't necessarily fill you with confidence that this is a guy who's uh, got it all together. He just seems a bit of like a party animal and uh, wants to have fun. And again, no judging anyone for what they do when they're not wearing the Everton colors. But there's that expectation that you need to carry yourself as a professional on and off the pitch. I mean, nowadays, there is no off the pitch, right? Media is everywhere. Social media is everywhere. Um, I, I think some of the things Pickford gets stick for um, footballers in the 80s were probably doing, but no one ever found out because it was all behind the scenes. So, again, I, I like Pickford. I, I, I want him to come good. Um, but at some point, uh, you know, we've talked about this. If some team, maybe in the Premier League, wants to come and throw 70 million pounds at us for him, absolutely take that money. You know, bite that hand right off. There's a lot of young goalkeepers out there that, you know, we can target and use that money better. Um, but, you know, uh, I think he's good enough for now. And we've got other areas we need to work on. So we'll, we'll go do that until, until we get that offer. And if we don't get that offer, he'll, he'll be okay for now. 20, 26, sorry, Pickford, yeah. 26. But also, I would say, I would say, um, I think he could do with losing his place as England number one. I think that would do, probably do him a favour for Evan. Um, because he strikes me as someone, if you ask Leighton Baines, would you rather win something with Evan or England? I think Baines would say Evan. I think if you ask Seamus Coleman, if you'd rather win something with Evan or Ireland, I think he'd say Evan. If you ask Jordan Pickford, if you'd rather win something with Evan or England, I think he would say England and not not even have to think about it. And which that's fine, you know, I don't I don't I don't that's up to Pickford, but I just prefer players who have more of a who say their ambition is like doing well for Everton rather than yeah. doing well for England. And so, 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 but also, you know, he's not better than Nick Pope. I wouldn't say he's not better than Dean Henderson. I wouldn't no, say probably not, yeah. So um is he does he deserve to be England's number one anyway? I'm not I'm not, I'm not sure he does. So, you know, that, that could work two ways, right? So, if he actually loses his spot as England number one, right? Um, I think that, that'll be a test of the man, right? Um, is he going to be motivated enough to actually prove a point and then, you know, play lights out week in, week out to win that spot back? In which case, then, hey, good for us, right? We'll get the best of Pickford. And, or he simply will just show that he doesn't have the mindset for competition and will fall apart, in which case then 
as Evertonians will know he's not the long-term solution for us either. So, yeah, you're right. Uh, you know, maybe losing his spot could actually either drive him uh, to success or drive him to uh, mediocrity. And in which case then, hey, you know, that answers a few questions for us. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think the other thing with Pickford is that we have seen how good he can be. Um, and some of the other stuff does get in the way and, and, and his inconsistencies, you're just like, you know what he can do. And when he makes these mistakes or he does these things, it's like, and, and the, the off the pitch stuff probably wouldn't be as much of an issue if his mentality on the pitch was better. It just seems that he's not all there sometimes. So (laughs) that is also another thing that that plays into it. And, And I think it's, that's why it's hard for some fans to give up on him maybe is because they know how good he can be. And yeah, they just hoping that one day he'll get back to that, I guess. Yeah, I, I think so. That's a fair way of putting it. Yeah. Um, it, just a couple of things, obviously uh, Pete Reynolds wrote five telling stats and, and Matt Alba wrote, wrote the three thoughts. Um, any, any things you guys want to add from there that you guys, that, that stood out to you guys? Um, that maybe uh, we didn't talk about yet? Well, I mean, already I've said about Davies, um, which Pete mentioned. Yeah. And yeah, just kind of going back to how thin the squad is, Pete mentioned that we only made three subs. Of course, two of the players on the bench are goalkeepers. You also had Beningham and Jared Branthway, who are kids. Yeah. So I think that's a, that's a just kind of underlines how thin on the ground we are at the moment. Um, which again is just like a testament to how well Ancelotti's managing the situation. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean Matt wrote about um, about the defence and and how 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 well they uh, they cope with the pressure that came in the second half. Even though again, I would say there weren't many chances. The Leicester way, you'd say they were sort of golden chances. No, like no crucial saves for people to make. Um, but yeah, Michael Keane, 12 clearances, Mason Holgate, 9. Uh, yeah. We already said about Keane, his, his aerial, he won all his aerial battles. And I think I saw Vardy, had first time Vardy has had more than 30 touches in a game and not at a shot. So, yeah. um, kind of bears out just how, how well Everton dealt with him as well. So Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, really... One, one... Sorry, go ahead, man. Hello. I thought there was one really, uh, I guess, poignant stat from yesterday. Uh, Matt, Matt, uh, Pete didn't really cover that, but uh, we finally got a penalty. <laughs> it's like ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> First Premier League penalty since March 2019 against Chelsea. That's 38 whole games. That's a whole season we went without a penalty in the league. And, and it was hilarious because even like a couple of hours before the game, it seemed like the Premier League was you know, taking a dig at us too. They, the Premier League tweeted that Everton had gone 38 whole games without a penalty. And, and, and the responses to that tweet were hilarious because it was, it was filled with Everton fans, you know, saying like, well, who do you have to blame for that when sides like mm. United have, was it 18 penalties in the same yeah, time? Yeah. Yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. Well, I yeah. think also it's like, it's one of those things where it's not even like, we just haven't, you know, put ourselves in a position to get a penalty or anything like that. Like, yeah. uh, there's been multiple times where we have been fouled inside the box. VAR mm-hmm. has checked it, 
and still yeah. not awarded us a penalty. <laughs> so it's like, you know, that's the even worse part is like, we should have had a penalty in that time and we yeah. didn't get any. So finally got that, um, I guess out of the way. I don't really know. I don't really know what, what the right way to put that is, but um, finally got a penalty enter yesterday. So, um, yeah. I guess so I got to ask you guys, right? So if Sigurdsson was not on the pitch, who would have taken that penalty? Calvert-Lewin? Yeah. Yeah. Because we're not letting Richarlison anywhere near penalties, right? We've no, established no, no, yeah. because, of that, because of that Southampton penalty. <laughs> that was what? what yeah. Know. No, that, that was, that's nightmare stuff. So, yeah. I, um, <laughs> I think Dean is favorite. I said Luke Dean as well, which is yeah. not a bad show. Or maybe yeah. just... Maybe just substitute on Leighton Bain. <laughs> <laughs> just to take the penalty, yeah. right? Because <laughs> Sigurdsson, right. Sigurdsson missed quite a few as well last year, didn't he? I think he missed that uh, one against Chelsea and then scored the rebound, didn't he? Yep. Yeah, I, I think he missed too. I think I saw that number. But yeah, yeah we I think we got lucky on the rebound on that one. Um, yeah, there's one against Fulham he missed as well. So, um, kind of Leighton Baines. He might still have some role to play. Put it that way. <laughs> Even if Lucas Dean is playing every week. Yeah. Well, we know Leighton Baines' contract situation still hasn't been figured out, but there's a couple of different situations that Everton have going on right now. Not Maybe not contract situations, but news in general. We'll start with, I think, something that has um, angered Everton fans once again. Um, Fabian Delph, another Instagram uh, you know, related... Yes, you could call it a misdemeanor, uh, you know, after Liverpool won the title, um, you know, he, he, he commented on a, on a post, um, you know, it said a Liverpool post uh, of winning the title, you know, it said champions, what a team, you'll never walk alone. And then Fabian Delph commented, love it, mate. Um, obviously, this has aroused some anger from Everton fans around the world. What's your guys' opinion on this? Obviously, some fans seem seem upset, but um, which is understandable. But is this too much of a big deal about something that really shouldn't be a big deal, Matthew? Um, maybe you're the best to answer this because you know you live in England. Uh, what's your opinion? Just for context, the guy who whose post he commented on is uh, Lee Lee Noobs who is the um, head physio at Liverpool and was formerly the head physio at Man City. Presumably while Delph was there, I presume that's how Delph knows him. Um, and this is obviously following on from after the Anfield derby in January in the Cup when Delph apparently had some sort of Instagram direct message argument with fans and came across as kind of big-headed and arrogant. But then you could say, well, do fans really need to send him private messages on Instagram just to abuse him? I think with this, it's... Um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what to think about this, really. I think... I don't think it's as big a deal as some people make out. But then also, yeah. he probably did it knowing that that this would happen, or certainly like a degree... Of this would would happen. So, I think I think the one is it the most sensible thing to do? Maybe he could have just sent him like a private message saying, "Well, right." Like, but equally, is it something to get that upset about? No, I think it's more. I think you're more. Um, incl- you should be more inclined to get upset about 
Delve on the pitch this season and off it. Yeah. No, I, I think that I think that the thing with Delph is, and I, I think this is something we've talked about a lot. You know, he's never really, I guess, tried to engulf himself in the Everton culture. Like, you know, he's the guy. He's never endeared himself to any Everton. Yeah. No. No. So you know, he. This is just you know, he's never been the guy who's you know he didn't come in here and try and be part of this Everton culture. And I think that showed on and off the pitch. Um, and, and, you know, I think this is just another example of that. And another example of him maybe not adapting or understanding, you know, the Everton way. But also, like Matthew said, maybe he did it knowing a little bit that he would get a little bit of rouse out of the Everton fans. And, you know, it, we've had problems with him already. So, you know, it's just another one in that, I guess, line. Calvin, what were your thoughts on this? Yeah, I'm disappointed to see this behavior from Delph, and especially if he did this to get a rise out of the his own team's fans. Then you know that that's immature. That's not what he was brought into this team for. I, I think, I mean, certainly he was not brought in for his ability because it's not like that was any match-winning um, talent or anything. He was brought in to be like a you know a bit of a leader on the pitch, off the pitch, in the dressing room. Uh, I. I haven't seen it. You know, I, I simply haven't seen it. I, I'd call Holgate a better leader at Everton and it's probably half his age. Yeah, I would. Yeah. Right. So that's, 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 that I'm just constantly disappointed by Delph. I, I, unfortunately, I feel that was a, that was a mistake. Uh, he's got his payday that he wanted and I couldn't be happier if we cut him at the end of the season. And, you know, again, those wages would go, uh, would be much better used elsewhere. Um, as far as uh, this whole social media thing, probably a bit of uh, uh, you know six of one, half a dozen of the other. But I, I wouldn't waste my time or any sleep. Uh, yeah. Um, obviously, another comment, I guess you could say that uh, about the Liverpool title celebrations. Ancelotti was uh, commented on it. Um, you know, and obviously the celebrations that ensued from. Uh, the Liverpool winning the title last week said, I think honestly, this is not my problem. I am a person that tried to respect the rules. I understand that after 30 years, the celebrations could be normal. Um, any opinions on this guys? Uh, you know, either. Way. I think, yeah. So again, just for context, just say that the, the sort of celebrations he's referring to are, um, it's obviously a, a big gathering at Anfield on Thursday night mm-hmm. um, after the Chelsea game, which, which secured the title, and then Friday night, well, Friday day time, really, and then into the night, there was obviously a big gathering at the pierhead in Liverpool, where one fan aimed a firework, live a building, um, and there was um, there was an awful, awful amount of uh, litter left on the yeah yeah the city was trashed hours to. To, to clean up on on the Saturday. Yep. Um, there was also like a, a report of a stabbing, I think, in the city centre or around yeah. the edge, which I don't know. I I'm not, I don't know if that was to do with Liverpool fans or anything like that. But um, it, I I think I understand what Ancelotti's saying, and I, and I I would I don't think it would be right of any journalist or anyone to kind of back in Ancelotti into a corner and kind of condemn. Mm-hmm. But I just think. You know, some of the scenes that you saw with Liverpool fans on Friday and 
Friday especially were kind of just absolutely disgraceful and um yeah. really and a lot of Liverpool fans I've seen who I respect and who I kind of feel for in this have also said, you know, it just tarnished the whole thing. I mean even Jurgen Klopp has come out and said that, you know, what happened shouldn't have happened and, and people need to understand that you know, during the global pandemic you shouldn't be having these mass gatherings and at any time you should not be aiming fireworks at one of Liverpool's most like revered or like beloved mm-hmm. landmarks. Um I mean that the argument was that it was because there was there was a, a blue light shining on the live building which is owned by Evan, which is not true anyway. I mean uh, Joe Anderson who's the mayor of Liverpool obviously and as an Evertonian said um it was a little red, white and blue for armed forces day. <laughs> Right, and the people I the people I feel sorry for most about this are people in Liverpool who work, work really hard and do a lot of good work to try and rid this city of this stereotype that a lot of people from places like London mm-hmm. have of Liverpool, which is if they've never been to London, if they've never been to Liverpool before, they get this kind of outdated view that the, it's a very sort of backward city full of, sort of the lower rungs of society. Well, actually. It, couldn't be further from the truth for the most part. And these people just kind of undermine all the progress that Liverpool as a city's made, really. Um but with Anc- with Ancelotti's comments, I think he's not really I don't think he really wanted to get involved in that. I I can understand that. I mean he's Everton manager, isn't he? He's not if it was if he was Liverpool's manager then yeah, maybe. Sure, right. But it's not I don't really blame him for what he said. See, the, uh, um, we're gonna play devil's advocate, I guess, a little bit here. Um, You're gonna ask me if Everton fans, if Everton won. Yeah, them. well, that's yeah. Not, not the not obviously the, the firing the fireworks at the uh, the the Liver Building and whatnot and all that stuff, all the trashing. But as an yeah. Everton fan, as Everton fans over there in in, in I Liverpool, I don't think we'd be as bad. Though. I genuinely oh, don't would, think. Yeah. You think. I think people would gather. I no, people would. Yeah. I, Naive to think nobody would gather. Yeah, yeah that's, that's all I'm saying. Um, you know, obviously, course. and that part obviously is is a terrible part because of the global pandemic. Um, yeah. but I don't think we would go to the extent that Liverpool, the Liverpool fans have gone to. No. Maybe you know, fire in the fireworks, no, no trash in the city the way it has. But I think they would gather. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And you know, Everton fans are not perfect. You know, yeah. There's the, the mural of Klopp, which someone defaced last year. But then we've also seen, you know, the Dixie statue was defaced. Yeah. Prince Rupert's Tower was graffitied last year. Mm-hmm. They left that van out, outside the uh, Goodison Memorial Wall. Yeah. Um, so it, it just, it, it piles up. Then you've got, you know, Joe Anderson warned this would happen. I mean, he kept saying that right. know, if, if Liverpool didn't heed these warnings and, and put some sort of protocol in place for when they win the league, then these gatherings would would happen in, in yeah. the numbers they did and he received a lot of backlash for that yep you know, the spirit of Shankly asking for apology and, and yeah um, kind of ended up with a lot of egg on their face oh, yeah. um, but no, no nobody's saying that Everton didn't have Celebrate. seen any any gatherings yeah it's just I don't think I'm confident enough in Everton fans to say that they wouldn't have caused as much of a, an issue as Liverpool fans did. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I definitely agree with that. 
And also, you've seen Liverpool fans say, well, look at what happened when Everton played Lille, you know, for example. But actually... That had nothing to do with anything. Well, right. I mean, I wasn't at the Lille game, but if you had the context to that, a lot of people are of the opinion that that was completely unnecessary from the Lille police anyway. Yeah, exactly. Um, And I remember one journalist saying that Lille police did the same thing to Manchester United fans when they played there seven years before. Yep. So, um, I mean, I don't really want to get, go too deep into this because it's it's not ever news really. It's more. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's happened. So. Yeah, it's <laughs> happened. It's over. Um, you know, like you said. Um, but I do. But I would say one thing. I do. I feel genuinely sorry for, you know, the sound Liverpool fans. Yeah, way. yeah. Because there are they they do things somewhere. <laughs> my family members are like Liverpool fans yeah. who are perfectly normal sort of law-abiding citizens <laughs> who, who would not have um, were not at the pier head or would not have done any yeah. of this shit yeah. so um, I really feel for them because it's kind of ruined it for yeah, more than anyone else absolutely Absolutely. Uh, let's move on to some other news that we talked about a little bit last week. Um, I guess some controversy you could you you could call it. Um, Dan Mice, obviously, uh, the big news last week when we talked, Matthew, um, was the the stadium plans and how he was taken off the stadium plans. And it seems that Greg O'Keefe has written an article in the Athletic this past week um, that kind of confirms what happened and and how. Um, I guess the plans are moving forward. Um, I'm just going to read an excerpt that we have here from it. it says another firm, UK-based architects pattern will take it uh, over the next stage of the development while Everton await a decision from Liverpool council on planning permission. Although previously expected by midsummer, the athletic now understands this could be delayed until late August or early September due to the COVID-19 crisis and the disruption to planning meetings caused by lockdown. There remains confidence, however, that if the project avoids being called in for inspection by the government, construction will begin this year with the aim of the 52,000-seat ground being ready by the 2023-24 season. Uh, it says, you know... That's not, sorry, I was saying that's, that's not really a surprise. No. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then... Coronavirus is always going to hold us up a bit. Yes. Yeah, of course. Of course. Of course. Uh, it says, you know, it's... Projects expected to provide a one billion uh, pound lift to the region's economy, creating about twelve thousand jobs. Um, and then it asks the question: So why is Mize, who was given a standing ovation at the unveiling of his plans in Liverpool's Titanic Hotel last summer, now highly unlikely to be involved in any further uh, any further in delivering that vision? Um, the Athletic understands the terms of his contract with Everton came to an end. He was contracted to. With, by the club to deliver a design concept up to the third stage of the building. I think that clears up a lot of what we were wondering last week, trying to understand. Yeah. Um, he goes on to say that I think Everton are kind of disappointed that Don Mice has kind of aired his, his dirty laundry in public rather than sort of a private conversation with the, uh, with the club. Um, yeah. Yeah. And kind of get the impression that he was very much against kind of being taken off the project. Well, not taken off, but kind of just leaving the project at this point. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, at the same time, I mean, you know, again, 
if he signed the contract, I mean, he claimed that he had no knowing that he was going to be taken off the project at this stage of the building. If he signed the contract, then how, how does he not know that? How yeah, does that would have been in there, right? Yeah, like it seems pretty self If that's the honest truth, and I would believe it, the Athletic is, uh, is very good reporters there. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, then that's what's going to happen. But maybe, you know, again, we talked about this last week. Obviously, there was a bidding process to see who can build in, and maybe he kind of expected if he was on the project to begin with, then his, his company would have, a, you know, an extra – uh, I guess up leg up on, on other companies because he was already involved in the project. I, I know I mean, your guys' opinion on that. Does that seem, you know, reasonable? Yeah, I think so. So I, I've, I've talked to a couple of people in the construction architecture business and uh, especially on international product uh, projects and, 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 you know, projects, the, the scale of this, it's, it's not surprising at all that the construction phase requires a, a technical architect that's, uh, local based, if you will, that's familiar with the local uh, rules and regulations that come with it. Um, you know, it's, it, I, I, I'm amazed if, if, if my having signed a contract uh, has been blindsided. That, that just that, that seems odd to me. Um, I, I am a little surprised as well that Everton are just sort of letting this continue to play out in social media versus, you know, releasing an official statement. And if not an official statement, I mean, you know, the, the club has, uh, you know, mouthpieces in the mainstream media, right? So, yeah. you know, why have they not just dropped, uh, uh, you know, a two-paragraph statement to, say, a Paul Joyce or someone um, to release out there and say, hey, yeah, you know what? This is the, the truth. So um, uh, maybe like all things Everton, we'll never really find out what went on behind the scenes. but. That seems like a no-brainer. It's unfortunate. I think we might be thinking a little bit with our hearts here rather than our minds. Um, you know, Mice seems, seems to be a very uh, likable guy. Uh, he's definitely embraced the Everton culture. Um, I, I love the designs. I, I think he's done a really good job uh, sort of uh, uh, getting a pulse of the club and, and then designing us a, a new home based on that. So, um, but at the end of the day, uh, I, I think the bottom line is that Everton need to have this project delivered on time at or under budget with no compromises on quality. And if they feel, or I guess the, 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 um, the, contra- the construction company, um, uh, Lang, uh, is it Lang O'Rourke? Yeah, Lang O'Rourke felt, yeah, if they felt that they were better off working with another firm, then you know what, that's on them. They, they've, I'm sure they've got their own bonuses tied to uh, getting that uh, project delivered on time. So that's, uh, hey, it, it's business. And um, thank, thanks, Dan, I guess. Uh, hopefully he's around. I'd love to see him at the first game. So it would be nice to see the club and him patch up, uh, whether in public or in private. Uh, but, hey, that's business. Matthew, anything to add? Well, that was a pretty good summary, I think. Um, yeah. You know, he's clearly done what the club asked him to do, and then I guess he was kind of hoping that because he did do a very good job, not only in in uh, creating these designs, but also you know building a really strong rapport with. I mean, you could say Everton probably have a better relationship with him than they do with, say, Fabian Delph, who we've talking about before. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, yeah, I mean, it's like Calvin said, it's business, isn't it? So yeah. 
Absolutely, absolutely. Um, some news that came through today um, before we started, started recording. We're recording uh, Thursday, July 2nd uh, here in, um, you know. Uh, Everton seems to have signed a new young left back from on a free transfer from Marseille. He's a 19-year-old uh, left back on a three-year deal. Niels and Kunku, is that how you pronounce it? I'm, I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, so, and Kunku says that's right. Yep. Um, per Jeremy Smith uh, on Twitter, um, Everton have signed former France U19 international Niels and Kunku uh, from Marseille a left back who can play all the way up the left flank. Um, he refused to sign a first pro contract with Marseille, uh, who had yet to give him a first team chance. This uh, was a player who was also rumored uh, to have interest from Leipzig um, and Juventus. Um, so a pretty good victory here for Everton and, and a good chance for a player to learn under two very talented left backs in Leighton Baines and Lucas Dinia. Matthew, what are your opinions? You know, we don't know too much, but yeah. I mean, we'll see, won't we? Um, yeah, yeah. We don't know too much about this guy. Uh, sounds like he'll go into the under-23s first um, and kind of work, work his way up from there. But, yeah, I mean, um, well, I do. I wonder if this means Leighton Baines is staying, though, in terms of, you know, would we have gone out and bought a more established left-back? Where he Baines, Yeah. 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 Uh, and Cuckoo is 19, um, so obviously very young. Um, and obviously Luke Garbutt's gone, so even if he wanted to use him, which I don't think Ancelotti did, judging by his press conference, um, I, I don't think he would have been used. I just wonder whether in eight, when he's 27, he'll still be here and <laughs> having signed a five-year contract after a handful of good games. <laughs> uh, but yeah it's kind of hard to say too much about this fella because we don't know a lot about him but yeah. it sounds like Marcel Brands has been tracking him for a while as well though so yeah hopefully a bit more competition at a place where we probably do need a bit more yeah. a bit more backup I honestly wouldn't be surprised to see a lot more signings like this um, just because we basically cleared house in the under 23 side right we got rid of what five or six players as their contracts ended so yeah. Um, you know, I, I think we'll see a lot more of this kind of uh, transfer uh, under the radar, um, low risk, low transfer fee. Um, and uh, again, I think this is where Everton's scouting network and Brands's uh, whole vision with the uh, with, with the scouting setup is is going to start paying off. Uh, so, and 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 I think what's good about the game nowadays is with the game being so uh, universal is Everton are no longer just restricted to signing up young um, uh, young players coming up uh, on the British Isles, right? It, it, it's Europe, it's, it's South America. Um, I, was it last summer we were being linked with a couple of uh, like 18 or 19 year old Argent- Argentines and it's like, wow, okay. Yeah. Since yeah. when have Everton been signing players from South America at that, at that age? So, um, yeah, I expect to see a lot more of this. Also, uh, unrelated, but I've just seen the new kits out tomorrow. The new home kit from uh, Hummel. So, uh, let's look forward to it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think that clears up a lot of the news that we have We have to talk about. I don't know. Matthew said it's out or it's coming out? No, soon? it's coming out tomorrow. Gotcha. Oh, it's tomorrow. Kit. 
Yeah, okay. yeah. So um, hopefully so, a nice, a nice sign from Hummel there. A bit more original. Yeah. Excited for that. Yeah, yeah. Should should be good. But we got another thing to look forward to. Uh, Tottenham and Everton. It's uh, Monday, July sixth, eight, 8 p.m. British Standard Time, three p.m. over here um, on the East Coast of America. Um, the previous meeting between the two sides ended one-one. It was back in November. Uh, so soon. And a late equalizer, Gomesh, obviously was injured in that game. Um, VAR, not in our favor. Um, Tottenham plays Sheffield United away uh, t- later today, again, time of recording, July 2nd, um, before our game. Their previous result uh, before that, they beat West Ham 2-0. But before that, uh, but before, uh, before that match, not in great uh, – not in a great, uh, you know, I guess, position, not, not playing too well. They're currently in eighth place, 45 points after 31 games. Um, their form was – they've lost two, drawn two, and then their last one was, was a win before today's game. How important is this game in Everton's season? Do we need a win, or, or is a draw going to be okay? What will this game mean for us as the rest of the season progresses? Galvin? Uh, I – I think in one of the articles I wrote on the site, I described this as a mid-table six-pointer. I mean, I, I, I think this is going to be our biggest game of the season if we're going to try to finish in, in a position that gets us into Europe. Um, does a loss or a draw eliminate us? Probably not. There's still going to be another five games after that to play. Uh, but it, it really puts us in, in, in a good position, right? Um, you know, when you look at the remaining schedule, the, the two key games we've got against teams that are in the same area of the table as we are is this game against the Spurs and then against Sheffield. Um, Sheffield seem to be in free fall, so I, I think we can hope uh, good things for that one. Um, but Spurs, yeah, that, I, I think we got to win this game. Um, I, I think we beat them, we leapfrog them, and it keeps us in touch with teams like Arsenal, who, despite being terrible, somehow are still getting results, which are, which is, I guess, disappointing. But um, th- those are the guys we're going to be going up against uh, when you look at the whole season that's left. It's it, it's Spurs, it's uh, Arsenal, it's Sheffield. These are the guys who are going to be uh, fighting out spots. Uh, Burnley too, which also like disappoints me because. Uh, didn't really think they de- they deserved to beat Palace in that game, and a draw would have done us well uh, as Evertonians. But uh, yeah, I I think we got to win this game. Matthew, I think um, and I understand what Calvin's saying. I think it would be nice to um, kind of get the first big scalp, I guess, with Ancelotti because um, yeah. probably Leicester. Yes, Leicester, Leicester wins probably the biggest win we've had in terms of the teams we've beaten. Um, I think just looking at the table, I think Burnley are the only other team that we've beaten under Ancelotti who are currently above us. Above us, yeah. Um, yeah, so, um, but I'd be quite happy to draw. I'd be at this one just because Evan haven't beaten Tottenham for eight years. Um, and, you know, it's not like, I'm not saying some sort of curse where, you know, because a lot of the players who played Tottenham in, in 2012 or 2013 are not still with us now. So it's not like, some sort of mental block, but it just, for whatever reason, they're a team we always seem to struggle against. And, um, I mean, Tottenham look pretty good since three start. I mean, they play well against United. Yeah. Um, I got a draw and then kind of comfortably swept aside West Ham, which, I mean, you can say what you want, but then West Ham went and beat Chelsea last night. So, 
Um, <laughs> I think a draw, and also I think a draw would be a decent result because we've still got to play Wolves, who we're not we're only not a million miles from. I mean, we're eight points behind Wolves, so yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't say that's unassailable. It's unlikely, but we've also got we've also got uh, Sheffield United playing Tottenham today. Oh, wow. uh, Tottenham, sorry, Burnley and Sheffield United then playing each other on Sunday. Yeah. And then Tottenham still have to play Arsenal as well. So yeah. a lot of these teams from like 7th to 11th where we are still have to play each other in the last six games. So um, I think a draw keeps us in in that in contention. I think, I think a defeat, you kind of look at that and think, yeah, okay, we're going to have a bit of a problem yeah. catching up now. Yeah, but, I, I, I would agree. Go ahead, Matthew. I, I th- I'm, yeah, I, th- I think um, just maybe keep keep that that good sort of the unbeaten run since the, the return going, and then uh, obviously got the Southampton game, which despite their good away form, you'd expect us to win, and then we go to Wolves, yeah, and then the, you know the pretty comfortable finish to the season with Villa, Sheffield United, and Bournemouth. So if we can if we can just get I think a point out of Tottenham and Wolves. I know it's, it's kind of not defeatist, but kind of not the most optimistic way of looking at it. But yeah, if we can sort of take care of the sort of the more winnable games and then just just hang in there in the in the so-called harder games like Tottenham and Wolves, um, I think we'll be all right. So, yeah, against Spurs. Uh, sorry, Jean. Let me just finish this up. But yeah, uh, I think against Spurs, right? draw would actually be beneficial to us in the sense that we don't give Spurs three points. Yeah, you know I mean? that's what I mean. Like, yeah. Give them a leg up as much as you do. Right, right. Kneecapping yourself. Yeah. Um, yeah, just, so. just, to, just to on the – we were talking a little bit about Arsenal, some of the teams ahead of us. Arsenal's schedule actually, you know, finishing up the season is, is rather difficult. they got to play Wolves. Leicester, Tottenham, Liverpool, Aston Villa, City, and Watford to finish off the season. So, um, the Man City games in the cup, though, isn't it? So that's not. Is it? Yeah, yeah, because they they played them in the semis. Because they played them the other week and then they. Oh yeah, yeah that's already there. done. Mm-hmm. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. sorry, I saw seven eighteen. I was like, I know we play on seven eighteen too. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, still, uh, you know, a decently difficult schedule even without City there. Mm-hmm. Um, I would think for, for um, Arsenal. So hopefully, you know, they drop some points over the next few games, you know, hopefully we can, like you said, get a draw here or, you know, even a win would be great. Um, so we can keep, you know, moving in that right direction and at least keep us in the, in the fight for, uh, you know, Europe, even if, you know, no matter what your opinions are on Europe, it's always good to be fighting for something as Ancelotti said, um, I, I mm-hmm. believe it was last week. Um, what are you guys' thoughts on Spurs under under Jose? Uh, you guys think uh, he, you know, think he's helped them? Think he's, you know, how do you think this team has played under under him, Matthew? I'm gonna go where you expected, really. I think. I mean, seems uh, people are kind of surprised that Tottenham haven't played as much football as maybe they did in a Pochettino but then what did you really expect I mean it's Jose Mourinho he doesn't do that <laughs> yeah. no no I mean I'm not I don't know as a joke I just think like you know he, he's not Pep Guardiola he's not oh. Klopp or whoever else you know Jose Mourinho teams don't play sparkling football they play functional effective style of play which 
has won him a lot of trophies. So yeah, I don't think he's as good a manager now as he was maybe ten years ago. Yeah, but um, I mean, they're good teams, Spurs. I mean, they're not they're um, they're not as good as they they probably were two three years ago under Pochettino. You know, but Harry Kane just come back. Son obviously. You know, we can't have beef with now after that game, but he's yeah. a very dangerous player. I really like La Kelso, who they've they bought in yeah. midfield. Um, I don't know whether you'd call him like a, a direct replacement for Ericsson. I know he was there before Ericsson left, but um seems to be a really creative midfielder from deep, the kind of player that Everton could probably do with, to be honest. Um, and also Sissoko, who I think's really underrated, actually. He kind of gets a lot of grief for kind of being this sort of figure of fun if you like but um, I think he's actually turned into a really solid um, defensive midfielder uh, who Everton maybe could, yeah. have done with, could have done with signing when they looked at him under Kuma. Um yeah. and also the, the new fellow Bergwijn I think he's Bergwijn's already scored good. three or four goals yeah. since yeah. signing January so um, yeah, they've got a lot of dangerous players and like I say we always seem to struggle against Spurs for whatever reason so um, and you know we haven't won at a top six ground since 2013 so for whatever reason we always seem to struggle in these kind of games um, but they're certainly not you know they're certainly beatable I mean yeah if you look at Mourinho's record it's kind of it's an improvement on what, what they were, the results they got in the Pochettino this season but you know they, uh, they lost at home to Wolves they got knocked out of the FA Cup home to Norwich. Yeah. Uh, you know, got beat by Southampton who at away, who sounds like we've kind of got the worst home record in the league, I think. Um you know, they dropped a lot of silly points still, so uh hopefully we catch them on a good day. Yeah. I still have nightmares though from that six two game last year because that was <laughs> worst. We uh, had that one. We were yeah. we were we were playing the better football on that game and then it just all went to pieces. Yeah. Yep. No, yeah, absolutely. Calvin, anything to add to uh to what Matthew just said? Um, so I I I, I gotta wonder, right? Wherever Pochettino is right now, he, he, he's gotta be like, Oh man, if only they had kept me because I, I feel some of the signings they've made since then and uh they, they have a really talented squad, right? I think uh Matthew mentioned most of the players. I think the guy I'd add on to that is uh, Tangin Dombele. I think Dombele is an amazing midfielder. Um, Lucas Mora is the kind of uh, game-changing sub that I'd throw on later on in games. Um, Judson, who they just signed, uh, or Getson, I'm not sure actually how that's said. Um, same thing. Uh, I think we were in for him at some point. So they've, they've got a really talented squad. Um, is Mourinho the best person to get the, the most out of him? Not not at this point of his career. I don't know. I, uh, but uh, Spurs fans might disagree with me. But uh, the, you got to wonder if, if they still had Pochettino, I, I think they'd be doing much better. But that, that's me. You said about Ndombele. He's kind of fallen out with Ndombele, hasn't he? I mean, he's just, he kind of picked him up this week, I think, Mourinho. But he, he also threw him under the bus and then he drew with Burnley in March. And um, Yeah. Yeah, I think. He feels like the kind of player that Mourinho would like. I mean, kind of that yeah. kind of you aggressive, think, right? aggressive, sort of destructive central midfielder. Um, I don't hey, know. We're looking, we're looking for midfielders if he wants a change of scenery, right? Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I'd take him well, out. This is a hard one to call, though, because yeah, Spurs, you don't really know what you're going to get. Yeah. Our only defeats under Ancelotti have been at Man City, at Arsenal, and at Chelsea, Chelsea in the league, anyway. But he lost to Anfield as well. Yeah. So all top six grounds, so yeah. or big six grounds. Um, this will be a good test. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Any, anything that that Ancelotti should change going into this? I mean, obviously we've talked about it already. There's not much, not many options we have. Um, but any changes from the Leicester game to to the Tottenham game? Um, no. Yeah, no, I don't think so. <laughs> I think it's I think it's pretty um, pretty. Uh, I mean, who would you? Who, who? I mean, maybe you could maybe think about taking Gomez out because I think he's played all. Yeah, he think he struggled. Yeah, but then who would you put in? I mean, I don't. I can't see Benigni starting. Yeah, especially um, yeah, especially against Tom. I can't see Tom Davies starting. Despite it would be scary to go in with the midfield of Sigurdsson and Davies against yeah. against Spurs. So yeah, yeah. um, I can't. No, I can't see. Can't see Wade want to change it really. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah, uh, predictions, Calvin. Unless I'd say one thing. Sorry, I, th- I think maybe. Uh-huh. But maybe think about putting Mina in and then moving and Holgate out. Yeah, yeah. Into central midfield. Um, it's an option because I think Holgate's looked really good in central midfield actually. Yeah, so um, it's interesting you mentioned that, Matthew, because you know one of the things I think in the past we've done under different managers is go to the five or the three-man, you know, backline or five-man, whatever you want to call it, like right? to handle the threat of Spurs and their midfield, and that has always like you know, bounced back to hit us in the face, like, spectacularly bad. Um, it, so, uh, again, I, I don't know if it's a function of a different manager who's going to maybe take it differently, but I don't want to see us revert, at least start with a three-man backline like we ended up in yesterday. Um, maybe if we do jump into a two-goal lead, then we see a, a replica of yesterday's second half. Uh, but, yeah, uh, to start out with, I'd say we go with our regular 442. Um, just maybe uh, again start with Gordon and Iwobi again, and they tuck in a little tighter and not necessarily go bombing down the wings, and and that that uh, gives some support in the middle of the park. Yeah, no, uh, all, all great shots there. That's um, you know if there are going to be any changes, uh, Matthew, I think I think that change would be would be welcome, but. I think everything's worked out pretty well. I think Edge is going to go with what's been working, and, and I don't know if there will be any changes. Predictions. Matthew, let's start with you. <sighs> no, I kind of tend to say nil nil, but um, I'll go 1-1, go one, one, I think, because Kane always scores against us, doesn't he? So I would back Harry Kane to score. Well, we're back us to score with that Spurs defense, which can be pretty suspect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I think I'll go with a one-one draw too. Um, I, 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 I want a win. I, I really want to win. I want, I want us to win away at the Big Six. I think it's long, long overdue. Um, it's just hard to see that win coming with this current squad as is. Um, so. Uh, yeah, I'd go one-one. Um, my 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 shout for their goal though might not be Kane. I, I don't know. Kane's just looked gassed recently. As uh, that's what I've seen. 
Um, I always worry whenever we play Spurs is the, the, the late runners that come into the box for crosses, right? I, I feel we don't do a very good job covering like the second ball after a cross or after a set piece. Um, it, it's looked better under Ancelotti. So uh, I, I'd, I'd probably tip one of their midfielders to score uh, for us. Um, I, I think Dom hasn't scored in a couple of games now. So I'd, I'd say, yeah, Dom scores for us and 1-1. You think in like someone like Ali or... Um, Bergwijn or something. Bergwijn, yeah. yeah. Ali's got a good record against us as well, hasn't he? So. He does, yeah. yeah. They all do. <laughs> they all do. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going with 1-1 as well. I think that's probably the... <laughs> I think that's when you think of this game, it just seems like 1-1 just stands out to you. So that's what I would say as well. I think each side will score a goal because I have a hard time believing each side staying, uh, keeping a clean sheet just because of, yeah. you know, it just it seems uh, difficult to, to think one or the other would happen. Um, but hopefully, I mean, if a draw, we get a draw, like we said, if we get a draw, still, still a decent result and still moving in the right direction. Um, guys? Thanks so much for joining me, Calvin. Thanks for, for joining us for this episode. Um, that's all we have for you guys this week. Uh, we'll be back again after the Tottenham match. So we'll talk to you guys then. See you. That sounds good. Thanks, guys.